Hey church family, my name is Saul. I am the worship pastor here at Cornerstone Church. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in this week. Hope that this sermon inspires you, that it encourages you, and builds your faith. Well, we're so honored and thankful that you are listening in. Let's go ahead and just dive deep. How's everybody doing tonight? Good. It's always good to be in God's house, amen? You get to worship and be with God's people, man. It's, we're blessed. We're just amazingly blessed, amen? Uh, I'm going to start off tonight. I want to read uh, Galatians uh, 5.1. I'm going to read several scriptures tonight. And then we're going to get into Acts chapter 15 for a little bit. Uh, but I want to read this. It, uh, Galatians 5.1 says, It was for freedom, and it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. I'm going to read John 8.36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And when I read these scriptures, I don't know about you guys, but I just, there's an excitement that comes over me because the scripture tells us that it was because and for freedom that Jesus set us free. That means the work he did on the cross, the life he lived, the resurrection took place. Salvation is freedom and God has come to set us free. And that's, man, that's, that is something that I, I'll be honest with you, it kind of took me a while in my adult life and my walk with Jesus to really get that. I mean, I knew it said that, John, I knew it said that. But if you've ever been set free by Jesus, if you've ever been delivered from something by the Lord Jesus, then you know what it means to be free. And that, that when, when God says this, it's in the most perfect sense. It is, there is no freedom outside of God. True freedom only comes from God. And God desires that for us, for you and I to live every single moment of every day in his freedom. Now, I don't know about you, but kind of growing up in church, that wasn't necessarily what I comprehended the Christian life to be. But God has shown me, and, and I'm sure he's shown you, that it's all about his freedom. God wants us to be free. It's for his, it's for freedom that he said, he set us free. That was part of his purpose. That was the work he did. And you, when you think about what Christ did, when you think about how he came, you think about how he lived and how he perfectly fulfilled the law. He did everything for us so that we can be free. Amen. Do we feel free all the time? Probably not, but that's what Jesus wants us to live in, this freedom. And we live in a world that's ready to throw bondage on us. And sometimes even religion, we know that the spirit of religion can throw bondage on us. But that is not what God wants for us. God is the God of freedom. Amen. And I'll say that again. God is the God of freedom. There is no freedom outside of God. You know, it's not like freedom was a great concept that God looked around and he said, hey, freedom sounds good. Let me kind of add that to what I do. That's not how this works. Freedom does not exist. It was breathed out by God. Freedom has its source in God. There is no freedom outside of God. We can't know freedom until we know Jesus. We can't know freedom until we walk in this, what he has purchased for us, and that's this new life in Christ. If we really want to be free, it's about walking in this new life with abandon, with joy, with peace, not worrying about anything else, just keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. Amen? Amen. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. God is, God is the God of freedom. He's not the God of bondage and slavery. You know, one thing we can know for sure, anytime we see slavery, Anytime we see bondage, anytime we see tyranny, anytime we see someone trying to control somebody else, anytime there is bondage, can I tell you, God's got nothing to do with that. 
I'll say that again. God's got nothing to do with any kind of bondage, any kind of slavery. When we come into relationship with God, it is voluntarily through Jesus Christ. I am bonded to Jesus because I love Jesus. You're bonded to Jesus because we love Jesus, but he has not made a slave for me. He's, he's made a son out of me. He's made a son out of you. So anywhere we, anywhere we do see freedom, anywhere we do see true godly freedom, you know that God is behind that. Amen? Amen. So we know this. It's a clear thing. But I want to go to, uh, well, let me read 2 Corinthians 3.17. Uh, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and when the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Wherever God is, there's freedom. Romans 8.2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Each and every one of us has been set free by the law of sin of Je by Jesus from the law of sin and death. He did the work. It's already been accomplished. It's whether or not we will believe and receive it. But we're set free from the law of sin and death. We are out of bondage. If you'll go with me to Acts chapter 15, I want to share with you a little bit. We're going to read this and I'm kind of watching my time here. Is it okay if we read quite a bit of scripture or try to get some scripture behind us tonight? And I'm, I'm telling you, I, I know the Lord put this in my heart to, to use this scripture to, tonight, but I want to kind of tell you a little bit of a story about it. Um, I had a, there was a time in my life where I had somebody who was much smarter than me, which isn't really hard to do or be, but he was very wise, very smart, really knew the word, loved God. I, I really look up to him. He was a humble man. Uh, he was a, a great teacher, a man that when you listen to him, he would kind of just keep your attention. He knew the word backward. He actually was a rabbi. His last name was Cohen. He was trained in the yeshiva in Israel or in Jerusalem. This guy was top-notch. But he had received Jesus and give you a little bit of background about him. When he made the decision to follow Jesus Christ, his family had a funeral for him, and they never spoke to him again. When he took that on and he accepted Jesus Christ as the Messiah, his family, which was a big family, and when he tells that story, it still breaks his heart. But they actually had a funeral for him, and they never talked to him again. So when this guy tells me about Jesus, when this guy begins to teach me, I'm going to listen to this guy. Amen. Amen. But I remember we were talking one day, and he just began to sort of challenge me in a very loving and kind way. He began to challenge me, and it began to make me try to understand more about why I believe what I believe. And part of what I, what I felt like the Lord led me to was this Acts chapter 15, this whole thing about freedom. Because we know we're free, but sometimes the, the spirit of religion really can bind us up. Sometimes we think we have to do a certain thing, act a certain way. We have to mimic somebody else. We have to look like this or act like this to be saved or to be accepted by Jesus. But how many of you guys know it's simply by faith in Jesus Christ? Amen. But I know that, you know that, but sometimes we can fall into these routines where we begin to walk into slavery and walk into bondage because we're thinking we're doing the right thing. So I'm going to read this tonight. We'll stop and kind of talk a little bit. It says, uh, starting in verse one, it says, some men came down from Judea. Now, if you know where Judea is, that's the area around Jerusalem. Uh, it says, and begin teaching the brethren. Now, these brethren were at the church of Antioch, great church, uh, and they came from Judea, from Judea to Antioch, and, this, and these men began to tell these people, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. 
And when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some of the others should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. So they were coming in and they were saying, okay, we're, we get it. You love Jesus. You've got Jesus, but we want something. We want to add something. It's Jesus and circumcision. Jesus and so that was kind of what they were teaching. Therefore, being sent on their way by the church, they were passing through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles were being, and were being great joy to all the brethren. When they arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who were, had become believers, who had believed, stood up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and direct them to observe the law. So here we have a church a group of people who have just received the gospel. They've embraced it. They are loving Jesus. The church is growing. Miracles are happening. Paul and Barnabas are there leading. And then here comes a couple of people out of Judea, Judea saying to them, hey, that's great. Jesus, you know, the gospel, all that great stuff. But you also have to be circumcised. Now, Jesus didn't need to circumcise or no one needed to be circumcised for Jesus to do the things that he was doing in Antioch. No one needed to be circumcised for miracles to happen, for people to join the church and for people for the church to grow. But yet you have some people that come, a couple of guys, and say, hey, this is great, this is wonderful, but you're forgetting something. You need to be circumcised. Now, there are a lot of attacks on our freedom as Christians. Some attacks come from outside our local body of the church or maybe outside our life, and like these people coming from another town, maybe a teacher. Brother, can y'all turn me down just a little bit? Thank y'all so much. I feel like I'm so loud I can't even hear myself hear myself or something. I don't know. Thank you all. Appreciate it, guys. Hey, I used to, I remember many years working back in the sound booth. That is the toughest job of the church. Thank you all so much for doing what you guys do. Y'all give them a hand. Seriously. I can remember being back there when I was a young guy, and if any noise, funny noise was made or something went wrong, all the heads cranked back at you and look at you. And you had to sit there and just smile. Thank you all for doing what you all do. Appreciate you all. Thank you all. So we, here we have some that come along and they begin to attack the freedom. We have attacks on our freedom all the time. Sometimes it comes from the enemy. Sometimes it comes even as they went and they, they were at the church. They, they went to the elders and there were, we found out that there were actually some Pharisees who believed. They were believers in Jesus Christ. And even during this, this discussion, they stood up and said, hey, wait a minute. We kind of believe this too, that you have to be circumcised as well. We're free in Jesus Christ. There's nothing, that, there's nothing that we have to add to this relationship we have to Jesus. But before I, as we talk about the attacks on our freedom, they come from different places. Sometimes they come from outside the church. Sometimes they come from fam family and friends. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that. Because a lot of times when we begin to live this free life in Jesus Christ, sometimes it bothers people. When we begin to live in this freedom, I can tell you who it bothers more than anybody, and that's the devil. The enemy, it doesn't, he doesn't like it. But it kind of upsets people because a lot of people, we have, and, and I'm one of them at least at one time in my life, sometimes we have a hard time just simply receiving the message of Jesus Christ. You mean if I just simply embrace this, believe this, and begin to walk like this, that's all I have to do? Yes, that's all we have to do is to believe. There's no rules. There's nothing else we add to it. And when we begin to live like that, sometimes it really begins to bother other people. People who've been raised to believe a certain way, well, you have to dress this way. You have to speak this way. You've got to sing this way. You can't quite sing this way. And the whole point of it is, is we as people love to have something that we can point to or hold to to say, hey, I'm okay because I'm following this rule or that rule. That's just kind of in our nature. 
And I'll admit that right off. I'll, if, if, if God were to come to me and say, look, Chad, if you'll just put this, the tattoo, I belong to Jesus, on your arm, an outward sign, then you're going to heaven. Who wouldn't do that? But just because I have the words, I belong to Jesus, on my arm, doesn't mean anything or doesn't really tell you about anything that's going on in my heart and whether I really have a relationship with God. And so as we live in this freedom, there are going to be attacks. The enemy hates it, and many times other Christians can sometimes look at that and kind of feel uncomfortable. And I don't want to beat up on these Pharisee guys because many times we can see ourselves in their actions too because a lot of times we want to have some kind of rule, something we can hold to. Maybe if I go to church here, if I pay my tithes here, I want something many times to say, okay, I'm doing the right thing. I'm earning my, my salvation, but there is no earning the salvation. Amen. It's about freedom in Christ. So there are going to be attacks on our freedom. Starting in verse 6, it says, The apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you. By mouth, the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit, just as also he did us. And he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? I love this word yoke. Do you guys remember what Jesus said about the yoke? He said, take my yoke upon you. And then he goes and says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. At one time, Jesus, as he was talking to some Pharisees, he looked at them and some teachers in, in, in Jerusalem when he was walking this earth. And he said, what you guys do is you, you continue to add more and more rules and more and more laws to these people who are already burdened down. You can't keep the law as it is now. But there was that tendency to add more and more laws. And Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. So here's Peter saying, why are we adding any other yoke on these believers? But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, verse 11, in the same way also they are. All the people kept silent, and they were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating that the signs and wonders that God had done through them among the Gentiles. One of the things that Peter was talking to when he was, when he was relating about how God had done things among the Gentiles, if you go back to chapter 10, you'll remember when God sent Peter to this man's house whose name was Cornelius. Cornelius was a Gentile. He loved God, but he was not a Jew. You remember when, when God sent the, the vision to Peter about the, the blanket coming down and the animals on there, and he ended up speaking to him and sending him to Cornelius' house. When he got to Cornelius' house, if you read chapter 10, these people were Gentiles, but Cornelius knew that he was coming, and he had his family around. And as Peter began to speak, the Holy Spirit began to fall on these people, people who were Gentiles, people who had never been circumcised, weren't part of the Jewish family. And yet they begin to speak in tongues. And that's what Peter's referring to is that example. Verse 13, it said, After they had stopped speaking, James answered, saying, Brethren, listen to me. Simeon has related, and which is Peter, how God first concerned himself about, about taking from among the Gentiles a people for his name. With this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After these things, I will return, and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen, and I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Folks, we're the rest of mankind, amen? And all the Gentiles who are called by, by my name. That's, we got the gospel because God wanted us to have the gospel, amen? It was always his intention to reach out to the Gentiles. Therefore, it is my judgment that we do not trouble those who are turning from God among the Gentiles, but that we write to them that they are abstained from things contaminated by idols, from fornication, and from what is strangled from blood. 
from Moses from the ancient generations in every city who has been who is preached since he since he is read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, Judas and Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. And they sent this letter to them, the apostles and the brethren who are elders to the brethren in Antioch and Syria and Sicilia, who are from the Gentiles' greetings, since we have heard that some of our number who have come to get, gave no instruction have disturbed you with their words, unsettling your souls. It seemed good to us, having become of one mind, to select men to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will also report the same thing by, the, by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater, greater burden than these essentials, that you abstain from things sacrificed from idols, from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication. And if you yourselves free yourselves from such things, you will do very well. Farewell. So when they were sent away, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they read it, they rejoiced because of its great encouragement. Like I was telling you, I was kind of challenged to make sure that I understood and by this man about what I really believed. Did I really believe in this freedom? And this account right here was one of those accounts that kind of stuck with me because we see where that whole idea of the freedom of Jesus Christ, walking with Jesus Christ, uh, without the addition of anything else was challenged. And we see how the disciples and the elders handled this. Now, you notice they didn't consult the law when they got together and talked about this. They didn't go find the Sanhedrin of the day. They didn't take the law out. They didn't find someone who was a great teacher. Instead, they stood together, and we find out that they consulted the Holy Spirit because it seemed good to us, they said, as well as the Holy Spirit. This freedom that we have, it's not about a law. It's not about any uh, letter of man, but it's absolutely about God. They did not consult the law in this matter. They did not consult the Sanhedrin. They allowed the Holy Spirit to guide them in this matter. And this is what this tells me is this freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. It's, it's about a relationship with him. How are we to know what to do and how to do and when to do it? The way we know this is when our relationship through, with Jesus Christ. Amen? Sometimes freedom kind of scares us a little bit. But freedom, I want to just share a few quick points with you this, this evening. Freedom is the new life in Jesus Christ. Here's the only rule that we have to know, and that is to know Jesus. To have a relationship with him. That's where our freedom is based. To abide in him, to love him, and to be fully surrendered to him. In doing so, we're, we're going to keep the law, the law of our heart, the law of the circumcision of heart. And we're going to do so out of love and out of relationship. Somebody said that a while ago. I think it was Jesse talking about the things that we do when we give the offering, whatever we do, we do out of love for Jesus. We have this relationship with him. There's no law that's necessarily compelling us. There's no set of rules that's compelling us. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ because we have this freedom. Romans 2.25 says this. This is Paul speaking. He says, on the contrary, a person is a Jew or a believer who is one inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart. By the Spirit, not the letter, that man's praise is not from men but from God. Something we see from God, not just only in the New Testament, that's a New Testament, that's from, from Romans, talks about a circumcision of the heart. What's going on inside here? We can have all the outward signs of religion. We can have all the outward signs of relationship with Jesus Christ. But what God is looking for is a circumcision of the heart. Who are we really here? Where is our, where is our devotion? It's really here. 
We know that circumcision is part of a dedication of a young Jewish boy on the eighth day after he's born. And so we understand that that is a, a, a symbol of a relationship with God or a covenant with God. But what God's looking for is that covenant in here, in that circumcision of the heart. Amen? Now that may sound like, well, okay, that's a New Testament scripture. But let me go back as far as show you God's heart even back in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 10, 16, it says, He says to the people, circumcise the foreskin of your heart. You guys may remember King Saul. You might remember when uh, he was commanded to go out and to defeat the enemy. He was also commanded not to take any of the spoils. He took the spoils anyway. Samuel the prophet was very upset with him because he disobeyed. You guys may remember that. So Samuel goes to Saul and said, why did you do this? Well, Saul kept the spoils, and then he, he looked at Samuel and said, well, I kept the spoils so that I could sacrifice them to God. And you may, you may remember Samuel's response to him. He said, God is not, he's not interested in your sacrifice. He's interested in your obedience. He says, obedience is greater than sacrifice. God's looking for that circumcision of the heart. Where are we right here? Amen? Amen. Another point I just want to share with you tonight. The shepherd will never command us to do something contrary to the word. At one point, Jesus was accused of trying to destroy the law. And he looked at the people and he said, I did not come to destroy the law. Instead, I've come to fulfill the law. Jesus fulfilled that law for us. Amen. He did not come to destroy the law. So Paul even tells the law is good. The things that, that when, the, when we look at this, the things that God commanded, the law that he commanded, it's a good thing because it points us to the fact that we're sinners and we need, we need salvation. We need Jesus Christ. But Jesus did not come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill the law. And I kind of think of it a little bit like a ship. I think about when God gave the law, he kind of gave the instructions on how to build a ship. We'll call the ship a relationship with God. That's what we'll call the ship, a relationship with God. And the law is something like giving the instructions on how to build the ship, how to do the planks, how to do all the connections, everything that, that goes along with that. And, and so he turned that over to man. Of course, mankind with his heart being what it is, a fallen heart, he couldn't do it. God knew he wasn't going to do it. And here comes Jesus, and Jesus comes along, and he takes that, and he fulfills that, and he kind of completes that boat, okay? Now we have that relationship with God who is Jesus. That's who our relationship with God is. It is Jesus, amen? And now we can get in that boat, and we can... You know, we can take on every storm. We can follow, with, we can have that relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But at no time is God ever going to look at us and say, hey, you know, that plank that you see there in that boat that says, thou shalt not lie, take that plank out. He'll never do that. Because you take the plank out, the boat's going to sink. The Lord will never command us to do anything contrary to what God has already established in his word. Yet Jesus has already, he's taken that word and he's fulfilled it for us because we can never fulfill it so that we can have this relationship with God. Does that look, make sense today? As I say, it don't make a lot of sense, but it made sense to me when I was thinking about it. <laughs> Amen. Jesus fulfilled the law for us. We've been set, another thing I want to share with you now, we've been set free from sin. We've not been set free to sin. This freedom that we have, we have been set free from sin, but we've not been set free to sin. Amen. When God sets us free, he sets us free to live for him, not to go back to the life that we once lived. The more we live in this freedom of God, the less sin has a hold on us. The less temptation affects us. Hate and anger no longer have a hold on us. Fear and anxiety can't seek their claws into us. We have to believe that we are free in Jesus, and we will be free in Jesus. 
If we're not living in the freedom that Jesus purchased for us on the cross, then we're not fulfilling God's purpose for why he came and died. If we can't take and embrace this freedom, if we choose to continue to stay in bondage, if we continue, continue to add on maybe the rules of religion instead of embracing this man called Jesus Christ, then we're really not living out what he died for. Jesus died to reconcile us back to the Father through him. Amen? And when we don't live in that freedom, not in a, in a judgmental way or in a condemning way, but God's heart is for us to live this freedom that he's given us. I don't think there's any greater pleasure we can bring to God. I don't think there's anything that we can do more to bless him than to actually take this freedom he's given us and to live in it and to live in it in joy and in peace in the fullness that he intended. You know, when we do that, when we live this life, we really do give off a fragrance. Pastor uh, Kevin brought out a great scripture. I'm going to find it real quick. And I've read it before, and you've read it before, I'm sure, many times. But when he read this, or when he spoke about it the other night, man, it, or the other day, it just really stuck with me. And this is 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, but thanks be to God who always leads us into triumph in Christ. You know, we're supposed to always be led in triumph. God gives us victory after victory after victory. Not so that we can just have victory, but so that Jesus can be exalted. Amen. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. When we embrace this freedom that, that Jesus died to give us, when we really walk with him, when we say, listen, I'm buying in wholeheartedly, fully. I don't care about anything else. I'm just going to follow Jesus. He gives us victory after victory, triumph after triumph. Maybe in some ways we don't even understand. And what we don't sometimes don't realize is we're giving off this incredible aroma in this world. This world is dying for Jesus. This world is so hungry for Jesus. Many of us don't even know that. Many of them didn't know that. Many of you and I didn't know that until we actually came into contact with Jesus. We, this world, there's no other answer than Jesus. Jesus is the answer. And when we embrace this freedom, we live in this freedom, when there's joy and there's peace, we're giving off this aroma. We don't even get it. See, a lot of times we think that we have to do this or that. We've got to say the right thing, preach the right word, sing the right song, or have some kind of major impact on somebody's life that we are conscious of. But many times if we'll just live in this freedom of Jesus Christ, we are giving off this amazing aroma that is the presence of God. A lot of times we look at our lives and we want to see something significant in our lives. It's really not about us being significant. It's about Jesus being significant around us. Amen. Many times we do. Sometimes we'll get involved in the ministry. We'll, we'll take on some kind of task. And, and sometimes if we really look at it, we are striving for this significance. But if we'll understand, if we'll embrace Jesus and live in this freedom and live in this joy and give that aroma off, we are being more significant than we could ever understand because we are the presence of God. It is for freedom that he set us free. Yes, it's for us. We get to enjoy it, but he's trying to reach the entire world. Matter of fact, he will do all he's planned to do. Amen. He will accomplish everything he's going to accomplish. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that. Not so that we can shine, but that, that Jesus can shine. Amen. That's what this freedom is all about. You know, we can talk about all these different things and we can examine it, but this freedom and walking in Jesus Christ and walking in this freedom is really about just living the life that Jesus died to give us. We can truly have freedom and joy and peace now. Hey, we're going to have it in heaven. It's going to be a blast. The older I get, the more excited I get about getting to heaven. And it's not just because I'm getting older. But it's really because I'm understanding more and more that heaven is not about the mansions and the streets of gold. Heaven is about Jesus. 
Heaven is about Jesus. When we get there and we're breathing him and we're seeing him face to face, there is now no more separation. We are fully redeemed. Man, talk about fantastic and wonderful and great forever and ever and ever. I'm excited about that. But many times I lived kind of under this false belief that I just kind of had to wait for that. I had to wait for this peace. I had to wait for this joy. I had to wait for this freedom. But man, that is not, I was dead wrong. God wants to give us this freedom right now. Not tomorrow, right now, where we sit, where we stand. He wants us to live in this freedom. He loves us. God loves us. And God wants us to live free. Amen? Now, a lot of times we can get that right here and we can kind of nod and we can even read scripture and we can teach and we can learn and we get this whole freedom thing. But when it actually begins to sink in, when we actually begin to realize it, oh my gosh, God wants me to be free now. I get to live free of the concerns about what this person thinks about me. Hey, I get to live free of responsibilities that are not my responsibility. I just do what Jesus wants me to do. And guess what? He takes care of everything else. Does that mean everything goes smooth all the time? No, absolutely not. But living in this freedom, it doesn't matter what happens, when it happens, we are safe in that freedom of Christ. We understand that everything that happens, if we're truly truly living in this freedom, whatever happens, that's God's responsibility. It's not mine. There is such a joy and such a peace and such a freedom in that. Many times we try to get involved in things that really God never called us to get involved with. He's he's calling us to live in him. He's calling us to abide in him and to embrace this freedom. Sometimes I'm one of those people that feels like I've got to take on lots of responsibility. Anybody else like that? You're just one of those people that, you know, if somebody's going to get it done, you're going to get it done, you know. And you know what we tell ourselves? Well, I'm just that kind of person. That's what I've got to do. I'm doing it for the Lord. Can I tell you the truth about me? I wasn't doing it for Jesus. I was doing it so I would feel good about me. I was doing things that was none of my business to do. I was doing things that I should have let God do. I was, I was doing things, thinking I was doing great things for God. But to be honest with you, I was doing it for me. So I'd look good and feel good. I put a nice religious spin on it. Well, I, I could make you think that I was doing it for the Lord, but if I really got honest about it, I'm like, I'm doing this for me. God never called me to do this. Jesus called me to abide with him. Jesus, that doesn't mean there's some, not some things that we're going to do, but can I tell you, God's going to do them through us. We're not doing anything. I don't animate myself. God, God gave me these hands. He gave me this brain. He gave me this. I did nothing. He did everything. Amen. Living in that freedom, living in that freedom. God wants us to be free. It's, it is God's will that you and I abide in this perfect freedom of Jesus Christ. When we are free in Jesus, we are free from selfish desires, and we are free to fully and joyfully live for his purposes. Well, we're living in this freedom of Jesus Christ. We're living free from comparison with others and free to be who God is forming us and making us to be. When we live in this freedom that God gave us, we are free from hatred, and now we're free to love. We're free from the bondage of flesh, and we're free to walk in the Spirit. We're free from the fear and anxiety, and we're free to experience peace and joy. We are free from death, and we've been made free to live. We are free from pride, 
and been made free to be humble. How many of you guys ever think about how, what a privilege it is to be humble? I didn't think about that much of my life. I didn't. There's something when, you know, there's at least two or three times in the New Testament where it is said both by Jesus and Paul, and I think even Peter, humble yourself and in due time God will exalt you. And that reference is actually back to the Old Testament where we find that same scripture. Humble yourself and in due time I will exalt you. There's a freedom to be humble. See, humility is not something that's celebrated in our culture today. Because the humble people don't get the attention. The humble people aren't the ones uh, from the world's point of view that are going to advance. The humble people are the ones that get run over. Can I tell you, Jesus got run over sometimes. There's something freeing about being humble. When I just say, look, hey, I don't have to have the glory. I don't have to have the credit. Whatever happens, happens. Let God receive it. Amen. I hope that made a little sense. We could go on and on about this freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. But as I begin to think about this, and God several times over the last couple of days dropped this in my heart about freedom, freedom, freedom. I said, God, just, you know, whatever you want me to say, whatever, however you want me to say this, but there's something that God wants us to understand tonight about freedom. Because we can go through the church motions and we can do lots of good things and, and, and yet be caught up in a bondage because we're doing things that, we think are expected of us or somebody else expects or whatever it is. But God wants us to be free. How many of us really live in that freedom? You know, initially when we're, we're saved, we're, we're made free, but there's, as God grows us and God takes us and, and we breathe him in and we, we embrace him and we walk in this, God is teaching us more and more how to live in this freedom and how for this freedom to grow in us. You know, when we're free, we're not mad at nobody. When we're free, we're not jealous of people. We're like, hey, the more the merrier. God's using you here, man, that's great. That's great. When we're free, we're free of criticism of other people. Because we get it, you know, this isn't about a competition. This is about Jesus. I don't have time to do anything other than what Jesus wants me to do. The more free we become, the, the more we just can worship God freely, Obey him freely and just have joy no matter what the situation is. God died for this freedom. Jesus died for this freedom. And sometimes we, as Christian people, a lot of times we'll embrace it or we'll actually uh, embrace uh, bondage. And I want to go back to that first scripture out of Galatians 5 1 that says it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. When I read that, we're told that Jesus died to set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm. That tells me that there's a battle. There's an effort that we have to take, that we have to keep reminding ourselves that we're free. Sometimes we have situations, something comes up, something we're dealing with. We, sometimes we have to remind ourselves, wait a minute, I'm free. We literally have to tell ourselves, wait a minute, I'm free. I believe that I am free in Christ Jesus. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject to again to a yoke of slavery this freedom is always going to be attacked the enemy's always going to be trying to throw some kind of bondage on us and many times because we're Christian people it won't be some of the crazy things it won't be some of the stuff that's just really blatant sin it's going to be religious kind of stuff it's going to be little things here and there it's going to be things that, that maybe seem so subtle that but we're told to stand and not take on that bondage or that yoke of slavery again God wants us to be free he wants you to be free
He wants me to be free. It is for freedom that he set us free. I'm very appreciative that God has set me free. The older I get, the more I realize that I've got to have him every single minute, every single second of my life. And he's faithful. God is faithful. Amen. Amen. Let me pray with you tonight. Father, I thank you tonight for your goodness toward us, God, your love toward us. Lord, I thank you for this freedom, Lord God, that you've given us. And Father, I just pray tonight that as we just understand this, that we grasp this, God, that we just simply accept it. It's not complicated. God, let us not complicate this tonight. God, let me not complicate this, God. I don't need some, we don't need some sort of deep teaching, God. We, we just need to believe. We need to receive and understand, Lord God. You are our teacher. And God, tonight may we receive this truth for each and every one of us that, God, you love us and you died to set us free. Well, I know that bondages are always coming at us. They're always being thrown at us. But God, everyone in this room tonight, Lord, it doesn't make any difference. There's no one that's more special than the other. You died for each one of us to be absolutely free in you. Lord, help us to embrace that. God, help us to see that. Help us to understand that. Help us to joyfully receive that tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.